Pulse 95 Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Centre Sharjah. Hey everyone, welcome back to our live coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair. And throughout the Sharjah International Book Fair, we at Pulse95 have been interviewing and talking to the renowned guests uh, visiting the Expo Center. And among those, I got the honor to speak to Abdul Razak Gurna. He had won the Nobel uh, Prize in Literature in the year 2021 and has written an extensive oeuvre of beautiful novels, 10 novels, in fact, about his life in exile. He was born in 1948 in the island of Zanzibar, a land wrought with conflict uh, with various ethnic groups fighting for hegemony, left his home country and went to England at the age of 18, where he started his literary career. So here's my conversation with Abdul Razak Gurna. We go over his origin story, how he became a novelist, and why or how he crafted those beautiful sentences, told those intricate stories, and created a beautiful impact in the world of literature and the world at large. We're talking about your work because I find it so, so interesting. I've been poring over it uh, these past few days and uh, I'm very much interested in your background having had left your country of birth at such a young age and writing from exile. Can you talk to me about how that is reflected in your work? It's uh, obviously a subject that um, I have become interested in, involved in as part of my life experience. Uh, it wasn't so much a choice about what you write about. Think to you, I think, if you're a writer, the things that uh, engage you or that you worry about or that you think about. And a lot of that either comes from things that have happened to you, your experience in life, or maybe in a philosophical sense, the things that trouble you, uh, the things that you want answers for. So all of these things combine together. Um, but in any case, this uh, idea of people moving away from their homes, their ancestral homes, as it were, to go elsewhere is a, is a global phenomenon now. There are millions of people who are doing this for one reason or another. A lot of them because, because they had no choice. And by that I mean it could be for reasons of wanting a better life, it could be for reasons of um, war or reasons of uh, just insecurity in general or just reckless adventure uh, for younger people. But in any case, it is a global phenomenon. So it's not a, a subject that you have to search for to write about. It's there in front of us. It's, it's part of our lives today. Why did you pursue novel writing in particular? And uh, describe some of the influences as well, if you could. Well, the first question is uh, not complicated. Um, I think once you start doing these things and you realize, I've always found pleasure in writing, even when I didn't think I was of writing in a serious way, but it's always something I've found pleasure in even as a school boy. Um, but then when you start doing it, it's like, I suppose, training for anything else. Once you start doing it, you want to get better at it. And once you get into that way of thinking, you're hooked, and you have to keep doing it till you can do it properly. So it started, I mean, there are other reasons, of course, uh, for why I wanted to do that, to, to, to write, or to even to attempt to write. But I think once you begin to do these things, you want to you want to do them well. So you just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and then and then because it is pleasurable and because it is satisfying and because you are engaging with things that interest you, there is no further kind of like um, encouragement that you need. It's the encouragement comes from within, and and you just keep going. Could you elaborate as well about some of the early influences, uh, what you've been reading at the time when you started writing novels? Well, this, this, this is a difficult question to answer. That's why I, I say, yeah. 
I was saying the first one is easier than the second, uh, because you one reads such a great deal that um, it's actually very difficult to say this is the book that um, you know kind of provided the key for me and allowed me to move forward. All of it works together and works within also your own reading, your own uh, kind of synthesis of all this material and. Uh, and then you bring something, if you're lucky, you bring something of your own, which, which is, um, you know, in a sense, it's um, unique, I suppose. You hope that each writer hopes that what they bring out of their reading is um, both um, um, a kind of, um, uh, not digest so much as a sort of, like, you, you, you read, you absorb, you choose things without, without any kind of conscious decisions being made. It just goes on all the time. And then out of this, out of this, if you're lucky, comes through your own way of seeing things. So I could name writers, but it wouldn't tell the real story of uh, of that uh, lengthy process of uh, absorbing and uh, and discriminating and selecting, which goes on all the time, even when you're not even aware of it, or you're not even you're not doing it deliberately. Um, so I just read as widely as I read, rather as widely as the books came my way, and. Uh, American books, uh, English books, uh, African books, and and then you find your way around that. You find your own way if you're lucky. Uh, I've actually found that so interesting what you said about uh, finding your own way. Uh, for instance, for me, uh, the the more stuff I read, I tend to form a sensibility over time, and uh, that's informed by what is it about the text that gives me the most impact. And I think about that, and I try to maximize it when I when I write by myself. When you when you're putting together your work, is it are you trying to get at a truths or are you trying to use language to describe realities that you haven't found described elsewhere? Are you trying to write a book that you've always wanted to read but haven't found yet? Can you elaborate on, a, on the process aspect of it a little bit more? Mm. Well, all of those things. You want all of those things to be the case. Um, I don't know if it's actually a, um, a targeted sort of exercise, you know, that uh, you say, I'm going to write this because nobody has written about that. Uh, or, or I'm going to go about it in this way. At least this is not how I work. Mm -hmm. uh, I find often the beginning of it might be um, something you observe, or which doesn't at that moment of observation seem to be like the subject of a thing. Um, and then something adds on to it. You read something else and think, oh, well, that refers. To and it takes, it takes a, a, a several months, sometimes years, for an idea to become possibly the subject of a book. So, so I may find that, in fact, uh, I'm writing a book now which first occurred to me um, maybe five years ago, as I thought, as a possible. In the meantime, you're doing other things or writing other things, and the thing in the background is sort of turning over, and you find other, other, other readings, other experiences, other ways of thinking about it. Sometimes you think, ah, I know, by the time you wake up the following morning, it's dead, you know, it's not working, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's a long process of, um, of um, first having a, a rough idea and then uh, the other ideas accreting on top of it and then other readings and then writing a few things to yourself and so on. Until eventually a space opens up and a particular something happens um, that makes it, uh, this is a good moment to start. Perhaps sometimes it's simply that somebody says, what are you working on now? And you happen to be not working on anything and you give a, an answer, and you think, yes, actually, you know, it's been lurking in the back of my mind, but I haven't actually articulated it. 
but because somebody wants to know, um, then you say it and you think, yes, right, I'll, maybe I will do that now. It's just a haphazard, sometimes complex process, especially if you're not forcing it, you know, in, that, in the sense that there is no... For many years, until just recently, I was also teaching full-time uh, at the at University of Kent. So it's also a matter of you can't do it when you want to. You have to wait for the time, you know, like research leave or vacation or something like that to do it. So you have to be able to both remember and uh, record and keep the ideas turning over like this till the moment comes to, to do it. So anyway, I don't have a simple... No, indeed, there's there any pressure. This is the other thing. I don't feel a pressure to write. If I don't want to, I don't. So when I'm ready to, I do. Can we talk as well about the feeling of rootlessness? Can you talk about how that is also an element of your work? I write a, uh, quite a lot about uh, power and its uh, misuse, authoritarian power. Or Now, this authoritarian power has many manifestations. It could be state power, which... Um, which often is ruthless because it's inhumane. It has to control people to, and force people to do things they don't want uh, very often. Um, but there is also another kind of power which is more uh, small-scale, but just as implacable. Parental power, patriarchal power, the way women are treated, the way children are treated. These things, these sorts of issues interest me. Um, and the way people negotiate um, something more livable with um, because, of course, p parents often do what they have to do, or fathers often do what they have to do, not because they're malicious, but because of more complicated reasons of um, prestige or of um, conformity with social concerns, or perhaps simply because of uh, personal or human failings. You don't want to be contradicted by somebody or something like that. And so people learn, have to learn to negotiate their way out of that otherwise the family would break down you know, or relationships would break down so I'm very interested in, in that and in how, how people do that, how people learn to cope with or against, if you like their the instinct or their the intuitive desire for control or, the, or, or how they deal with the pressures or the sanctions of the community they live in or and so on. You're always bound by these constrictions. It's almost like the names change as well based on who's in power and the, the reigning ideology and the various factions fighting for hegemony. It's almost as if we're always bound by these, um, by these elements as well. Uh, could you elaborate some more on the helplessness of the situation um, and how these different characters try to deal with these uh, circumstances? Uh, yeah, very often the people I write about are probably on the whole rather powerless people, they're small people, they're not big, strong, you know, heroes or something like that. And so quite a lot of what people like that have to do is to find ways around how to deal with the powerful, to deal with forces that somehow are on the point of crushing them or stopping them from being themselves. Um, so so that's what, what I'm most interested in probably actually, the small people and how they cope and how they cope with powerful forces, social forces, individual, powerful individuals, um, or just the way life is so implacable, the way it's sort of so difficult to get things you want out of life. Um, in the case of larger questions, like, shall we say, you know, um, um, 
imperialism or colonialism um, or the way in which rules constrict what a woman can do and what a child can do and so on. These are not easy things to work your way around. Uh, poverty, how to deal with, how to get out of situations where poverty makes you powerless. And, so um, and I like to think that these things are all pos- almost always possible to find a way out of, uh, which I don't mean that you then at the end of the day end up in paradise or you end up rich or you end up whatever it might be. But you can maybe, with luck, find a way of just sort of managing and getting out of situations that look about to crush you. So I'm interested in how people without power cope with power. Can you also talk to us about uh, novels as uh, a vehicle for truth? That would be what I would aspire to do. Um, I, was, I had my presentation last night, I don't know if you were there, but, uh, but one of the things I was saying that uh, what I look to do in, in writing is to to be as truthful as I can be. And that is not as simple as it sounds. It's not a matter of l- truth and lies. It's a matter of getting at the truth of the kind of, of the experience that you are trying to, ref- that you're reflecting on, that you're trying to write about. Um, and when you do achieve that, or you think you've achieved that, you think you've got to it, then you t- it truly feel as if you've made something beautiful. So, in other words, it's not only about getting to a kind of a rational position where this is true is also something deeply satisfying uh, for the reader, as you're describing, but also for the writer to, to explore something, to get into something, to engage with something, and to do it with, a kind of, uh, with as much openness as you can, I mean yourself, um, to try and get to it as truthfully as you can. And then when you feel you've achieved something like that, then it feels fantastic to it. That was Nobel laureate Abdul Razak Gurna, one of the honored guests here at the Sharjah International Book Fair, talking about how he uses literature to upend the colonial perspective to highlight the plight of indigenous populations around the world, and also talking about what it's like to write from exile. Stay tuned to Pulse95. We'll continue those thought-provoking discussions on the program in our live coverage of the book fair. After the business news headlines, we'll have a conversation with Chef Becky Excel. She'll talk about all, well, she'll talk all about health food, gluten-free. Why go gluten-free in your diet? And how could you make delicious yet healthy food? Stay tuned for that and much more right here on Pulse 95. The heart of Shaja. This is Pulse 95. Yeah, yeah.